It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're live. We're ready to go. We're glad that you're here with us tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study, and we're glad that you're here, and we hope you'll tune, stay tuned in tonight. It is June 21st. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you, as always, on Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study, and we look forward to a good period of discussion from the Word of God. Uh, we're glad for those who are listening, and uh, hope that you'll participate by joining in phone calls and emails. So we'd be glad to get your comments in our study tonight this is not just uh, jacob you and me sitting here talking we want to get others talking with us and we've even got a toll-free telephone number which is a relatively new thing for us 877-381-4567 it's the same phone number we've always had but just with a different area code we've got a toll-free area code now 877-381-4567 you can call you can also send us emails. Our email is always open 24-7, questions at collegeview.com. And, and Jacob, our email is toll-free tonight, too. Yeah, you don't even have to pay for email. And, Jacob, we're going to base our program tonight on a, a couple of emails that we got between last week's program and, and now. We've received a couple emails that have to do with the question of baptism. And we want to make that our topic for discussion tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. That's right. We want to talk about baptism. It is, Dad, maybe one of the most discussed religious topics. I, I would say almost every religious denomination, Dad, has a form of baptism, but so many religious denominations disagree on the purpose, the mode, and the reason for having uh, people be baptized. We want to talk about that on the program tonight. Again, the number is 877-381-4567, or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'll start out with a question, do we have to be baptized in order to be saved? We'll talk about that on the program tonight. Chime in and let us know your thoughts and your reasons why or why not we need to be baptized in order to be saved. Again, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. This is not an academic study, Dad, tonight, or an academic discussion. This is a discussion that is of great consequence. We need to know what the Scriptures teach on this important subject. As I said, Dad, there are a lot of discussions about this. Uh, almost every religious denomination has some form of baptism, Dad. We need to know what the Bible says about baptism, why we should be baptized or why we should not be baptized, and how we should do that. Well, that's right, and and there unfortunately has been a lot of controversy in the religious world through the centuries on this subject. It's not a new controversy; it's been ongoing for a long, long time. It's it's sad because I believe the scriptures are pretty clear on baptism. It's it's not something that's one of the deeper or harder theological questions, in my opinion. It seems like it's very clear what the scriptures say on the subject. Let's start out, Jacob, by dealing with a question that came to us from Rex. I I don't know Rex, and I don't know where he. Uh, is is sending this question in from, but it came in during the week. And he says, 
Uh, I have a question about baptism, in relation to baptism. He cites some references here, but his main question, after citing uh, Matthew 3.11, Acts 2.37-39, Matthew 12.41, Acts 2.38, he says, It seems they were commanded to be baptized because they had received forgiveness of sins, not so that they could receive forgiveness of sins, and that's his question. He sent in a follow-up email with a little clarification. Um, he says, yes, baptism is vital in the life of a disciple. In, or, in, other, in other words, my question is geared in this direction. At what point does a sinner receive forgiveness of sins? Is it at the point of baptism or prior to baptism? Uh, now, from his question, it seems that he is of the opinion that one is baptized because they have been forgiven and and in, in Contrast to that would be the position that we must be baptized in order to be forgiven, and that that is his question. So the, the verse in discussion there is Acts two thirty eight uh, that he's alluding to, and the and the Greek word there that is presented in Acts two thirty eight, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. The uh, question is then, Dad Rex is asking, are you to be baptized because you already have forgiveness of sins or? because you want forgiveness of sins, and that's how you obtain it. That's right. The, the King James Version says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Greek word there, for, for the remission of sins, the Greek word is pronounced ice. It's usually anglicized. It's spelled E-I-S. And the question is, what does that word mean? Does the word mean because of, or does it mean in order to or unto. And uh, I think the answer is clear. Uh, all Greek lexicons will indicate that the word ice, as used in Acts 2.38, means unto, in order to have the remission of sins. It's not for, because of. You're not baptized because you've had the remission of sins, but you're baptized in order to, re- to receive. Now, some arguments that we can make to, to prove that this is so. Notice that... Peter says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So if baptism is because we have already been forgiven, then repentance would also be because we have already been forgiven. But but those who make this argument would not agree concerning repentance. Notice, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Repent and baptism are linked together, and both things must be done for the remission of sins. So if if we're baptized for because we've had the remission of sins, then we also repent because we've had already had already achieved the remission of sins, and that's not true and I don't know anybody who argues that. Repentance, I think all agree is a prerequisite of forgiveness. And this verse by its very grammatical construction demands that it also be baptism in order to have remission of sins. That is absolutely the only way you can take it, Dad. You can't take it any other way. You can't divide the repentance and the baptism there. They're both for the remission of sins. And so if you must repent in order to have the remission of sins, which we believe that you must, Luke 13, verse 3 tells us that, then we also must believe that we must be baptized for the remission of sins. That's what Acts 2.38 tells us. You know, another place where this same exact phrase is found is over in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. And there Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper just shortly before he was crucified. 
And he, it says in Acts 26, at verse 27, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It is exactly, and, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've taken the time to investigate the Greek here, and it is the identical phrase to Acts 2.38, for the remission of sins. And so Jesus said, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Why did Jesus shed his blood? Did he shed his blood because that remission of sins had already been attained? Or did he shed his blood in order to accomplish the remission of sins uh, among his disciples? Clearly, the latter is true. And so we understand the construction of Acts 26, verse 28 to mean Where it says for the remission of sins, it means unto or in order to obtain, in order to make possible, in order to have the remission of sins. And if it's true in Acts, uh, true here in Matthew 26, 28, then it's also true in Acts 2, 38. We need to notice that verse again, Matthew 26, verse 28, where Jesus says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Again, Christ's blood was shed so people could have remission of sins not because they already had it. If we already had remission of sins before Christ came, we didn't need Christ to come. Christ came because we needed remission of sins, and we obtained the permission of sins because of his blood, which was shed. The same construction, again, is Acts 2.38. I hope that that answers Rex's question. It's an important question, and actually it's a question that reflects the thinking of a lot of people in the religious world. And I hope that we've been able to make that clear uh, and I hope Rex will, will be able to, if he's not listening live, at least be listening in the archives where he can get that answer to the question that he sent us by email. That's something that you can do at any time. You can send us email questions, uh, and, and this is, this happens with some regularity that a question will come in that will give us an opportunity to address a subject on the virtual Bible study. And so keep that in mind. We'd be glad to hear from you at any time with questions that you might have. Um, We'd be glad to hear from you tonight. There might be somebody who disagrees with that answer we just gave, Jacob, concerning for the remission of sins. And if that's the case, uh, we'd, we'd be extra glad to hear from you and let us talk about that because we believe that's an important subject and a lot of misunderstanding about it in the religious world. That's right. We hope that someone's listening who disagrees because we want to hear the other side of it to make sure that we are correct on what the Bible teaches on this important subject of baptism. Give us a call right now at 877-381-4567, whether you agree with us, whether you disagree with us, 877-381-4567, or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. This is a subject of eternal consequence. What does God require of us in order to be saved? You know, we'd, we'd like to hear from our listeners tonight. If you... If you uh, have been baptized, if you believe in baptism, uh, send us a quick email and just say, here's what I think, this is this is the reason, this is why we must be baptized. Send us, we'll take a short little straw poll among our listeners tonight. Tell us the reasons why you think a person should or should not be baptized. And we probably have listeners who have been baptized but would disagree on the purpose of that baptism. That's quite possible. So and we'd like to know why you believe, if you were baptized, why were you baptized? We'd like to know that as well. Um, let me let me bring up a subject that that uh, is I think important to address. Many who are familiar with the Churches of Christ are also familiar with uh, a very popular author these days named Max Licato, 
And uh, there's been some question about his position on the subject of baptism. In fact, a, a couple of months ago, I sent an email to his organization and asking him if he might join us on the virtual Bible study to discuss baptism. Uh, I didn't get a response, which I guess that's what I was expecting. But I want to read a couple of quotes um, from him and just to let people be advised that although he continues to be associated with churches of Christ, he doesn't take what I believe is the true position on the purpose of baptism as we were just discussing it. A while back in a radio interview, he said this, and this is a quote. He says, all you have to do is say yes to the Father. And many of you have done that. But I have a hunch that there are a few of you listening even now, and God is using this to pull your heart The Holy Spirit is informing you of something that you have never really heard before. That is, that God is ready to be your Father. All you have to do is call Him Father. Just call Him Father. Just turn your heart to Him right now as I'm speaking. Call Him your Father, and your Father will respond. Why don't you do that? Uh, And He says, pray this prayer. Father, I give my heart to you. I give you my sins. I give you my tears. I give you my fears. I give you my whole life. I accept the gift of your son on the cross for my sins, and I ask you, Father, to receive me as your child through Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, having done that, in other words, he was telling, basically, he was telling people what he believed they needed to do in order to be saved. And having said that, he went on to say, I want to encourage you to find a church. I want to encourage you to be baptized. I want to encourage you to read your Bible, but I don't want you to do any of that so that you will be saved. I want you to do all of that because you are saved you see what he just said he's saying you're saved when you ask the lord to save you you should be baptized but you don't do that in order to be saved you do that because you have been saved well that was just the question that we were addressing with with rex's email there rex was suggesting the possibility that we baptize because we have been saved and that's exactly what this very popular author max licato is on record as having said and that is just absolutely contrary what's taught in the Word of God. Exactly right. What are your thoughts about that? Let us know. We'll take a break, and we'll come back and take your calls or your emails at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Dad, there certainly are a lot of opinions out there in our listening audience tonight on baptism. We'd like to hear their thoughts. Yeah, get in here and join the discussion as we talk about the important Bible subject of baptism. All right. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Again, thank you for joining us. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you join in on this listener interactive program. As we discuss the important subject of baptism, what does the Bible say? Dad, a lot of people are saying that baptism is because you've already gotten forgiveness of sins, already had the remission of sins, and you should be baptized to show the world that you have that salvation. That's language we don't see anywhere in the Bible, though. We see the Bible says that it is for the remission of sins. Yeah, uh, we we got another email that came in before the program started from our friend Randy up in Jackson, Missouri. Randy, we're glad that you listen regularly to the Bible, uh, the virtual Bible study. He's sent in a series of questions about baptism, and one of those is this question. Is baptism primarily, A, an act of obedience, B, a right that brings me into the church, C, a witness to others, D, a tool to cleanse me from sin. Now, uh, that, that's an interesting question, and it's interesting the way it's constructed. Now, Randy's got several other questions here we want to deal with, but this one first, because it goes to the question of the purpose of baptism. What is baptism primarily? Well, if you let me explain my answer, Jacob, I think I could agree that in some ways, every one of those things he mentions is involved in baptism. First of all, it is clearly an act of obedience. The many Bible passages on the many New Testament Bible passages on baptism clearly indicated it's a command of God. We we were studying just a minute ago, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's a command. And so we should do it because it is commanded of us. To do otherwise would be disobedient. In other words, that would be to say, God said to do it, but I'm not doing it. And so it is an act of obedience. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So Jesus told us if we want to be saved, we need to believe and be baptized. So again, Dad, to not be baptized would be disobedient to God and to, and to Jesus. So, yes, the first part of the answer is Baptism and act of obedience, there's just no doubt. It certainly is that. Secondly, he says, is baptism a right that brings me into the church? Now, here I'd be a little careful about the wording or the terminology. You know, the Catholic Church teaches there are certain sacraments that that uh, belong in the church. And, and I, I don't know that that designation is biblical at all. There is a connection, though, between baptism and being added to the Lord's church. In, in Acts chapter 2, we've, just, we've been referencing that over and over again. When Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, verse 38. Then in verse 41, it says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. So those who heard and believed were baptized then in verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. So they were saved by believing and obeying the gospel instructions, including baptism. So when they were baptized for the remission of sins, in other words, they obtained salvation. They obtained the remission of sins in baptism. And as they did that, it says the Lord was adding them to his church. And so... It's not a rite or a ritual or a ceremony, but it is essential in order to be added to the Lord's church. The what Lord. you're saying there is God adds to the church the people who are saved, and the people who are saved are those who have been baptized. So indirectly, 
baptism would be required in order to be a member of the church, of the Lord's body. I believe that's right. And so, uh, again, uh, I would want to maybe correct the terminology so that nobody thinks that we're just going through some ritual or rite of some sort. It is an act of obedience, and, and that act of obedience is essential in order to be added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47. Otherwise, we would say that God would add people to the church who are disobedient and rebellious to his instructions, and certainly that would not be the case. Right. All now, right. Now, the the third, he says, he, he says, is baptism an act of obedience? Yes. Is it a, a right that adds me church? Well, yes, it is the process, part of the process of being added to the Lord's church. He says, is it a witness to others? Well, I don't think it's primarily that. His question is, is it primarily a witness to others? I don't think it's primarily a witness to others. It is not, for instance, what our Baptist friends often say, an outward sign of an inward grace. In other words, you've already been saved inwardly, so you're baptized to show it outwardly. Or as Max Licato, we just read Max Licato, he said, you, you, you are baptized because you've already been saved, and, you, and basically you're being baptized to show that you've been saved. It is not that. It is, it is not something we do to show what has already happened by way of salvation. That is not the case, and I hope we've already proved that. But having said that, I suppose it is certainly something that others observe and acknowledge. We are making a statement. It is in in submitting to that that instruction. We are saying, "I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am willing to to yield my life to Him." But it's no more of a witness than say loving our brethren is a witness. Jesus right. said that that would be a witness to the world around us. So obedience and living with the proper heart. And with the right attitude and uh, mannerisms in our lives, that's a witness to the people who are around us. So baptism would be a witness in that form. Exactly right. And then the last part of that question, he says, is it a tool to cleanse me from sin? Well, again, I might be a little careful about terminology there. I don't know. The, the scriptures don't ever call baptism a tool. But notice Acts 22, verse 16. Here, the Apostle Paul is retelling his own conversion to Christ, and he remembers the man Ananias coming to him and saying, Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism washes away sins. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 22 says, Baptism doth also now save us. That's verse 21. 21. I said 22. First, 21. Yeah, First Peter 3, 21. Baptism doth also now save us. So it is the point at which... We obtain salvation. It is, it is the, but it's not the only step in the plan. We have to. We'll talk more about this in the process of our study tonight. But we have to be taught. We have to believe what we've been taught. We have to repent of our sins and confess our faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. And have, having gone, having uh, uh, fulfilled these conditions, then we have that great gift of salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. But Acts twenty two sixteen says. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. First Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. And so, again, being a little careful how we phrase that, but clearly baptism is the point at which we have the blood of Christ applied to our sins and we obtain salvation. All right. What do you think? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Surely you have an opinion. Make it known on the virtual Bible study tonight. We've got an email from Dan up in Greenwood, Indiana, and he says, uh, why do so many groups say that you have to, all you have to do is believe and that baptism is not completely necessary? They avoid other verses that say it is part of the process. Do they just ignore it or don't want to accept it? 
uh, as it does not fit into their profile uh, uh, to please those that listen to them. I don't know. I I think that is a great question because I, I've never really been able to understand that myself. It seems to me that the Bible verses on the subject are really plain. You know, I, I don't think that all Bible subjects are really easy to understand. I think most of them are. There are some complicated things over in, in uh, uh, Peter wrote about some of the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he said over there in uh, my Bible, if I can get my Bible to turn over to Second Peter chapter three, uh, verse 15, he says, account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given to him, hath written unto you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also other scriptures to their own destruction. Peter said there are some things hard to understand, specifically mentioned some things that Paul wrote that are harder to understand. But I don't think this baptism question is a hard one to understand. And so I don't think it's because the Bible is unclear or so difficult. It seems then that there must be some other motivation to try and deny the necessity of baptism. And and it must be that it doesn't fit into what people want to believe. Now, if you wanted to, you could find verses in the Bible that would indicate or seem to indicate that you were saved by some means other than baptism, Dad. But we have to harmonize all of the teachings of the Bible and come up with what the Bible says in its totality. And when we do that, we find that baptism is required in order to be saved. If you believe that baptism is not required in order to be saved, Dad, you have to ignore those passages that say so clearly, as you mentioned, 1 Peter 3.21, Acts 2.38, and other passages that show us that baptism is required in order to be saved, we have to take the totality of what the New Testament teaches us about salvation. That's right. And, and uh, you know, if, if we find the verses that teach the necessity of it, then it's necessary. And therefore, we then harmonize those with other verses. For instance, here's an example. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, Paul mentions faith as that which justifies us. So how do we how do we harmonize that with what we're saying about you have to be baptized? Well, the faith that he mentions is therefore then an obedient faith, a faith which says that's what it says and that's what I'll do. Now, people want to say, look, it says faith. It doesn't say anything about baptism. But notice that verse also doesn't say anything about confession or repentance. It doesn't say anything about that. So are confession and repentance not required? Well, the person who says, no, that, that uh, you don't have to be baptized, they would say, well, you have to repent and confess. Well, that passage doesn't say anything about repentance and confession, so we have to take the totality, and then some people, some people are unwilling to do that. And a good verse that helps us fit all that together is something like James 2.18, where James says, A man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. By our, our obedience, we demonstrate our faith. In fact, it's actually impossible to prove that you have faith if you are not willing to be obedient. And so that's how that all kind of fits together. And I think that's a, an important thing, but we appreciate the question. All right. Thank you for listening tonight. And for your question, what are your thoughts? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Let us know what you think about baptism on the virtual Bible study tonight. Let's go to another question that was included in a longer email from our friend Randy. He said, is baptism the New Testament, New Testament equivalent to circumcision? As covenant theology teaches, 
there's this thing called covenant theology and uh the idea is made or the suggestion is made therein that circumcision is the equivalent to uh well, let me start over that baptism is the new testament equivalent to what circumcision was under the old testament covenant of Mo, under moses and uh, uh i suppose there are, there are those who are teaching that i don't see anything in the new testament that indicates that that's the case in Romans chapter 2, at verse 28, Paul says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. So we understand that circumcision, physical circumcision, is is not an ordinance taught in the New Testament. It was a part of uh, God's covenant, not only under Moses, but all the way back to Abraham and all of Abraham's descendants. Uh, it was it was a sign of the covenant between God and Abraham and his descendants. It is not a thing taught to Christians. And there's not anything that I know of in the New Testament that would parallel baptism to circumcision. So I, I would have to say, no, I, I don't see the parallel there. I, I, I don't, you know, someone might try to suggest that there's a similarity, but I don't, I don't see it and I don't ever see it, uh, spelled out in the new testament scriptures all right let's go on and take another break and when we get back we'll hopefully take a call or an email from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com let us know your thoughts about baptism during this break stay tuned we'll be right back after this these guys are doing all of the talking we need to hear from you call in now the virtual bible study continues right after this Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks it. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Again, we're talking about baptism, and we're waiting to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Baptism is the subject tonight. Baptism is an important subject. We believe it has eternal consequences. We want to find out what the Bible teaches about this important subject. I want to keep looking at some of these other questions that have come in. We're glad, we'll be glad to take your question, too, if you'll email us or give us a phone call. We'd just be glad to hear your comments on this important subject of baptism. But continuing with some of the other questions in Randy's email, he said uh, a couple questions here go together. He said, should I understand baptism thoroughly before I'm baptized? And if I didn't understand baptism when I was first baptized, should I be rebaptized? Well, I think the answer to the, to the question, do I need to understand what I'm doing when I'm baptized would be absolutely yes. You do need to understand that. Uh, a passage that I would use to emphasize that is Romans chapter 6, 
In Romans chapter 6, verse 17, it says, God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And so these Roman Christians that Paul was writing to, he says they had obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine that was delivered to them. Interestingly, earlier in the same chapter, chapter 6, he mentions baptism. He says in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized in his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. So Paul commended them for obeying from the heart the doctrine delivered to them, and part of that doctrine was baptism. They had obeyed from the heart. Now you can't obey from the heart that which you don't understand. You have to understand it before you can obey from the heart. If this were not the case, an example that I've used before, if you didn't have to understand baptism in order to be baptized and have the remission of sins, then uh, one of the things we could do is we could outfit a truck with a big tank of water on the back of it. We could get several strong men. We could just go up and down the, the streets of our city, and every person that we saw walking along the sidewalk, just grab them, manhandle them, throw them in the tank of water, immerse them, and then claim that they had been saved in the process. The physical act would be the same, but it clearly wasn't from the heart and it wasn't with intent and it would not be effective to the saving of the soul. And so just from a very simple common sense uh, approach, we would argue, yes, you've got to understand without understanding baptism is not effective. All right. And we actually have an example of people who were in the scenario that Randy presents. They did not understand baptism when they were baptized, and the instruction to them was to be baptized again. That example is found in Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to Ephesus and finds some people who are trying to be disciples there in Acts 19, verse 1. And in verse 2, he said, And to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people, They should believe on him whom should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's an example to add of people who do were in the position that Randy cited there where they did not understand baptism when they were baptized, and they were baptized again. That's right. So that that's a case in point of people who were baptized a second time because their understanding the first time was not complete, and they were baptized again. So I think that's a real good example that we should use to answer that question. Yes, you and so the answers are yes, you need to thoroughly understand baptism before being baptized. And if you didn't, when you were first baptized, you should be baptized again. We've got biblical precedent of someone who did so. We've got another question coming in. Uh, Jared writes in and says, can you explain the difference between John's baptism and the baptism of Christ? All right, where do we want to start with that one, Jacob? Well, we know that John's baptism was required in order to be obedient uh, John preached that they, people should be baptized. Jesus even knew it was the right thing to do. He was baptized. So John's baptism was required, and it was for a baptism of repentance. Some things we know about John's baptism there. Yeah, Mark 1 verse 4 said, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And when Jesus himself came to be baptized by John in Matthew chapter 3, 
Verse 14 says, John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So it was the right thing to do, and even Jesus submitted to it. It was it was a, a message being preached, sent by God. It was for the purpose of preparing people's hearts for the coming of the Messiah. We remember that the Old Testament prophecies uh, concerning John the Baptist were that he would come and prepare the way, make the way straight uh, for Jesus. And, of course, that was his God-given mission and purpose. Um, it says... Uh, in the very very last prophecy of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, he says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So that was John the Baptist's mission and purpose. Now, it was the right thing to do for people who during that time were hearing the preaching of John and were submitting to it. Jesus himself said it was righteousness. The question comes up as to now what what happened when the preaching of the gospel began in Acts chapter 2, when people were hearing the gospel preached, when the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was being preached. Remember, that was the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Jesus said, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all, even to the end of the world. So when the gospel began to preach, be preached and baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was being preached, I believe it was necessary. The, the, the baptism of John was ended. We already showed a case in, John, in Acts 19 where some who were baptized by John's baptism were baptized again in the name of the Lord. So John's baptism, the teaching of it ceased. It was replaced with the preaching of the gospel and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. John's baptism was actually anticipatory, looking forward to the sacrificial death of Jesus. Jesus uh, now baptism is looking back to the death of Jesus on the cross and his shed blood there. Uh, so those are some of the differences the question always arises, what about people who were baptized with John's baptism? What about on the uh, when, when the gospel began to be preached? Did they have to be baptized again? I think that's an interesting question. We, we've, we've had that question in times past on the virtual Bible study. My, it, it's, it's somewhat of a moot point because it doesn't, it doesn't pertain to us today. None of us can possibly be in that situation. But for those who were, it's an it's a interesting question. My thinking on it is that, yes, they did need to be baptized again. And one of the reasons why is on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem to that hugely assembled audience of people when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter and the apostles answer was repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Notice he didn't make a distinction. He didn't say, well, now, if you've been baptized with John's baptism, you don't have to do anything because you've already been baptized. No, he said repent and be baptized every one of you and and i think indisputably they would have there would have been in that assembled crowd those who were baptized with john's baptism but he told them all to be baptized in the name of the lord jesus christ well john's baptism today has the same place that the wave offering and the heave offering and the other acts that the people of the old testament were engaged in those are no longer binding today we have the new covenant placed upon us now and as you mentioned dad christ or the baptism today is symbolic of the death burial and resurrection of christ it symbolizes that 
and it is how we come in contact with the blood of Christ. In, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, you mentioned, Know ye not that so many as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. And so we see that uh, it is symbolic, Dad, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ It is how we come in contact with the blood of Christ that was sacrificed for us on the cross. Well, I hope we answered that question. I think it's a really worthy question, uh, and so I hope that those answers help. Another part of the question that we got here is, why do some churches refuse to accept the baptism of another local church for membership in their church? So basically, why would one religious organization, why why is it so that possibly one religious organization would refuse to accept the baptism of another. Well, uh, I don't know every case. Obviously, there might be various situations that you might describe. But um, well, and it probably is more prevalent in churches such as the Baptist Church, where that is the purpose of baptism to join the church, uh, not for forgiveness of sins, not for salvation, not in order to become a child of God, but instead to to join a church, and so. It may be more prevalent in a, in, a, in a religious organization like the Baptist Church. So, if, in other words, if you have to be baptized to join that church, then they're going to make you be baptized with their baptism. That's right. possible. But I was thinking, you know, it, it, it's certainly possible that, that there would be some question raised. For instance, what if somebody was, they called it baptiz, baptized, but they were baptized with some form of baptism that's not biblical? For instance, what about someone who was sprinkled? Now, Certain religious organizations call that baptism. For instance, the Catholic Church sprinkles infants. And so someone comes and says, well, I've I've been baptized. I want to be accepted into your fellowship. Well, tell us about your baptism. Well, I was sprinkled as an infant. Well, that's not Bible baptism. And so uh, clearly we would say you must be baptized after the New Testament order. Uh, you must be immersed in water and for the remission of sins as a believer, as an instructed believer. And so there would be a case where we would insist on someone being baptized again. It's not with the baptism. Uh, it's not with our baptism. It's not that we're insisting that someone be baptized to our specifications, but we are required to expect people to be baptized according to the New Testament specifications and so in that case, it would be so that we would say, you know, listen, we don't believe that, that baptism, what you're calling baptism, is true to the New Testament pattern. And therefore, you need to be baptized again. Uh, so it might be the form. It could be the doctrine. What if someone, we've already covered this question tonight, so I'm not going to go back into this question. But what if someone says, I was baptized because I believed it was an outward sign of an inward grace. I was baptized because I believed it was a sign that I'd already been saved by faith. And by simple faith, I was saved and I was baptized as a sign of that. Well, in that case, I would say, well, you didn't understand what you were doing then because that's not what baptism is for. Baptism is for the remission of sins. If you didn't understand the purpose of it, then you didn't obey properly from the heart, the the form of doctrine, Romans six seventeen, which we already cited. And therefore, you need to be baptized again to to be baptized for the right reason and purpose. So there might be any number of reasons why someone would say, well, really, 
you need to be baptized again because your baptism is not what it ought to be. And if you'd like, if you want to be in, 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 in this fellowship, uh, you would need to adhere to what we believe are necessary scriptural command, not our commands, not our, not our opinions, not our think so's, but what the Bible says. All right. Appreciate that question. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com, or try the 800 number, the toll-free number, 877-381-4567. Take a last break. Give us a little bit more time. We'll take it a little early. It'll give us more time when we get back on the other side to take your question or your comment. Join in on the discussion about baptism now. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study. About 15 minutes to go and time for you to call 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com as we talk about baptism tonight. We've got an email that's come in from Don. Don, we're glad you listened to the virtual Bible study tonight. He says, in John 3, verse 6, Jesus speaks of the contrast between the first birth of flesh and the second birth of spirit. Isn't this same contrast seen in verse 5, meaning that water is the first birth from the mother's womb and the second birth is of the spirit? Actually, no, I don't agree with what Don has just said there. Now, that is often an explanation given. Let's go to John 3. Yeah, we need to look at the whole context here to find out what uh, is under discussion. I think if we look at the discussion, we'll find out that uh, the first birth is not anywhere in discussion here. I think that's exactly right. Nicodemus came to Jesus and uh, said, um, Rabbi, we know, this is John 3, verse 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is not talking about the first birth here. He's talking about being born again. The second birth in verse 3. That's right. Nicodemus even asked, verse 4, he said to him, "Can a man? how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say to thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the, the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Basically, Jesus, Nicodemus even said, Are you talking about physical birth, about entering into your mother's womb again and going through that process? Jesus said, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being born again. And the the born-again process involves water and spirit. He wasn't talking about anything at all about the first birth. He was talking about being born again. And the being born again, the second birth, involves water and spirit. Now, how's that? Well, I think he's talking about the water of baptism in 
as is taught by the Spirit of God and the revealed Word of God. Yeah, that parallel is shown in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 25, where we read, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. We would say there, Dad, that is referencing baptism. It is the washing of water by the word. It is that being born of water and of the Spirit. We are instructed by the Spirit to be baptized in water, for the remission of our sins, 1 Peter 3:21, And so we believe that helps us to understand what Jesus was talking about there in John chapter 3, verse 5. That's right. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I think the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost puts water and spirit together again in the process of that which by, by which we are saved. So I hope that helps to answer Don's question. Don, again, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. Nine th- or 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Thank you for your question, Don. Thank you for listening tonight. Let's go to this, some more of these questions that have come in. Uh, once I decide to be baptized, is it okay to wait until Sunday to be baptized so I will be a witness to others? My grandmother will be in town in a month. Can I wait to be baptized until she is here? How would we answer that question about postponing baptism? Well, you can do anything you want. You can wait, uh, you know, until you're 95 years old. But that's not the pattern that we see in the New Testament. One pattern that we see is in Acts chapter 22, Dad, the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Acts uh, 16. Acts 16. I'm sorry. Acts 16. The Philippian, uh, conversion of the Philippian jailer, we see that he was baptized in the same hour of the night. Yeah, it says in Acts chapter 16, uh, they, verse 32, they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. You know, I think this is an excellent uh, example going to the question of should we postpone baptism. You know, this jailer was responsible for keeping Paul and Silas in custody. The discipline, the military discipline that he was under was very strict. I mean, he was taking he was he was taking a huge risk. He was putting his life in danger in fact to take them out of the prison to be baptized by them in the middle of the, this 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 happened all the context will bear out that this all happened sometime after midnight in what we would call the wee small hours of the morning. If baptism wasn't critical for salvation if it could be postponed in other words you're saved when you believe and you can be baptized later we've already dealt with that that faulty doctrine tonight but let's just take this case study if that were true that you're saved when you believe and you can be baptized later why would paul and silas have allowed the jailer to endanger himself uh to, to take them to be baptized in the in the wee small hours of the morning. Why didn't they say, listen, you're saved already. You're saved by believing. And so when this all settles down and when you get a chance, you can be baptized. But you can do it next week and you can do it next month. It's not that critical. You can wait. As you said, Jacob, you used the word pattern. There's a pattern set here of not postponing or delaying baptism uh, because baptism is essential to salvation. Again, Acts twenty two sixteen. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Your sins are not washed away until you're baptized. Exactly right. 
All right. Well, we see the importance then. If it is required for our salvation and it's the point at which our sins are washed away, and we want to have the forgiveness of our sins, we'd want to do it as soon as we could. We wouldn't want to postpone it. Well, you see that denominational uh, dogma of you're saved when you believe, and baptism is just an outward sign that you've already been saved. You see that in this postponement. You know, if 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 you didn't think that baptism was critical to your salvation, that it, if you didn't think that you had to be baptized unto or for the purpose of of uh, remission of sins, Acts two thirty eight, then you could say, well, I can just wait. I mean, I will be. I want to be baptized because I, I understand it's a command, and I want to do it. And I want to, uh, you know, I want to demonstrate to others that I, that I'm a Christian. But you could wait, and by all means, wait till Grandma comes to town so she can see that too. If that was the case, but that's just not the case, and the Bible doesn't teach that. All right. Time to take your call, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And we're looking at what the Scriptures teach about baptism, Dad. We're trying to harmonize what the Scriptures teach. We don't want to take one passage and rip it out of the Bible and use it against other passages. We want all the passages to fit together. And we believe, Dad, that by saying that baptism is required to be saved— that it harmonizes all the teachings of the scriptures to say that baptism is not required. We really have to ignore or twist the scriptures that are so clear that teach us that baptism saves us, First Peter 3.21 and other passages as well. Right. Take another question here. How young is too young to be baptized? What do you think about that, Jacob? How young is too young to be baptized? Or is it possible to be too young to be baptized? Some people baptize infants, newborns. What do you think? Should we do that, or is, is it possible to be too young to be baptized? Well, I would think that Randy would say that it is possible to be too young to be baptized, even if Randy doesn't believe it's required in order to be saved. I don't. Uh, I would think probably Randy would say that infant baptism is not the proper thing. So most people would say that it is too young. There is a time when it is too young to be baptized. Dad, we've talked about the things that are required in order to be saved. We see that repentance. And confession always precede baptism, and uh, it is possible that someone would be too young to repent or too young to confess their belief in Christ. That's exactly right. And you know, if you didn't understand, if you can, if you can baptize people who don't understand what it's all about, like infants or children too young to be taught and understood, understand, then we can go out and get that tank of water that truck we were talking about and just start manhandling people and forcing them to be baptized all right 877-381-4567 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com we want to hear your thoughts on the virtual bible study tonight about baptism about six minutes to go and we look forward to hearing from you we have a follow-up email here from don and Don is referencing in First Peter or in John chapter three verse five, where Jesus said, "Except I say, verily, 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 I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God." Don is making the argument that many who discount the necessity of baptism in order to be saved make, and the argument that Don is making there that when Jesus said that except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, when he talks about water, he's talking about the placenta of the mother's womb and that Jesus was actually talking about being born of water, the placenta there, and that would be the first birth, and then the second birth would be of the Spirit, not requiring baptism. That's the argument that Don is making, and so we have the follow-up question, Dad. Well, he says, I disagree when you say Jesus was only talking about the second birth. 
In verses 3, 5, and 6, he's clearly talking about the contrast between flesh and spirit. He is doing this in order to teach Nicodemus about the second birth. Water's the first, spirit is the second. Well, that's not what the context says. Uh, it, it, the question asked, you know, uh, or the statement Jesus made, rather, in verse 3, is that you must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So the context is about being born again. It doesn't have anything to do about being born the first time. Everybody's born the first time. You don't have to be born the first time to be saved. Everybody's been born the first time. He wasn't saying you have to be born the first time and then you have to, then you have to be born a second time. The, the whole context was about the second birth, being born again. Nicodemus was uncertain. He says, does it have anything to do with being born of my mother? Do I have to enter my mother's womb a second time and be born from my mother's womb? Jesus said, no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It doesn't have anything to do with your mother's womb. It doesn't have anything to do with the natural physical childbirth. It's being born of water and the spirit. It's the second birth. The whole context about the second birth, the context is not at all about natural physical childbirth that's not in the context and even when it's not it's not in what jesus was talking about and when when nicodemus said does it have anything to do with my mother jesus said no it anything to do with your mother that's very clear so being born in water and the spirit doesn't have anything to do with your mother jesus said that and i wonder if if this is true if jesus was talking about uh, the the birth uh, the water that is uh, the result of your birth does anyone say in the, referencing their natural birth that I was born of water? I mean, is that what you you mentioned when you talk about being born the uh, the amniotic fluid? It's not what that's not how you would describe a physical birth. Why would Jesus use that imagery uh, in discussing that here in in John chapter three verse five? We've shown the passages, Dad, uh, Ephesians five twenty six and uh, Titus three verse five that parallel the construction that Jesus is using here. Where, we, where the spirit and water are mentioned in our salvation. And uh, so to take that away from John chapter 3, verse 5, would also have to contradict Titus 3, verse 5, and Ephesians 5, 26. That's right. All right. We Jacob, take... I, got a, I got a little anecdote that uh, I saw recently. I thought uh, this goes to the question we were dealing with. Do I have to understand what I'm doing to be baptized properly? Can you be too young to be baptized? There was a restoration preacher by the name of Raccoon John Smith, and one day uh, he came upon a, a Methodist camp meeting, and the Methodist preacher was baptizing an infant, and he was sprinkling water on the baby, and it was crying and screaming and squirming. And so when that was concluded, it says that uh, uh, this uh, pioneer preacher, Raccoon John Smith, went and grabbed the Methodist preacher by the arm and started leading him toward the creek, which was nearby. And the, the Methodist preacher said, what are you trying to do, Brother Smith? Uh, are you out of your mind? And Smith said, what am I doing? Why, I'm going to baptize you by immersion in, into the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his commandment. And the Methodist preacher protested. He says, I have no desire for such baptism. I know of you. You're called the dipper, but you're not going to dip me. I'm a Methodist. Let me go. Uh, John Smith tightened his hold on the man's arm while the crowd watched some in apprehension, others in amusement. He says, that is a scoffer's blasphemy of the holy ordinance, John said sternly. Are you a believer? And the Methodist said, of course I'm a believer. And the preacher said, uh, and, and so, uh, but I'm not willing to be immersed. It would do no good for you to baptize me against my will. It would be wrong. And then John Smith says, I don't understand. Only a few minutes ago, you baptized a helpless baby against its will, although it screamed and kicked. Did you get its consent first? Come along, sir. We'll have no more of this foolishness. 
The crowd broke into open laughter, and John Smith gave the young preacher a quick pull toward the creek and then suddenly released him. Pretty interesting story. The Methodists understood if you baptize a person against their will, it doesn't do any good. But he had just been guilty of doing that, baptizing that baby against its will, and didn't see the inconsistency in his own position. It's a good antidote there. It is important that we understand the purpose of baptism, Dad, when we're baptized. Baptism is clearly required in order to be saved. We've looked at several passages. Let's just remind our listeners of some of them, Dad. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we looked at it earlier in the discussion tonight. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, uh, Unto them repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, many passages we look at, Dad, these are just a few. 1 Peter 3, 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. These passages are clear, and if we deny what they're teaching, Dad, we're denying what the Word of God says. We have to really manipulate the Scriptures and hack on the Scriptures to take baptism out of the equation. It is required in order to be saved. It's very clear. I think that's right. It's an important subject. It's an important study, and we appreciate the questions and the comments we got tonight. Uh, uh, dealing with this important subject of baptism from what the Bible teaches. Some people who may listen after the fact, Dad, and may disagree with our conclusions, we'd love to hear from you anytime. Anytime you're listening to this message, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com with your questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for the discussion tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for your participation and for all who've been listening. Thank you for listening tonight. We hope you'll make plans to join in on the virtual Bible study next week at the same time. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.